0: The PaceLine podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash PaceLine to support the show and learn more. And the PaceLine is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. One of the most destructive fires in California history hits close to home.
1: You know, the the Tubbs fire to the north of us and the Nuns fire to the south of us, somehow they didn't join, they didn't meet. And if you drew a straight line from one fire to the other, it passed over my home. So I I really thought, you know, that losing our home was a foregone conclusion there for a little while.
0: And Fatty attends the top triathlon in the
2: world and finds some pretty strange bike positions. When they put their arms out on their aero bars, they essentially convert themselves into what I would call the shape of a spoon. (laughs) The podcast on two wheels, Patrick, Hottie, and Fatty. I think that's me. This is show number 88 of the official podcast of Red Kite Prayer, and of course you should subscribe, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Patrick, how are you doing? And I'm asking that question not rhetorically or trivially. How are you doing?
1: I'm, um, you know, I'm okay. Um, I don't... I'm home, uh... I don't really have much to complain about. And if you want to talk complaints in Santa Rosa, there are complaints enough to go around. Uh, I lost a refrigerator worth of food when power went out when the fire started. Um, I, you know, before the evacuations got too terribly serious, I went back in and, you know, emptied out the refrigerator so that we wouldn't walk into the smell of death, you know, a week later. Hmm. Um, the evacuations were never mandatory for us. We simply thought, oh, I don't know. Let's be smart and leave. Um, it's, I mean, it's been, well, I'm not going to lie. It's been a really scary experience. Uh, this is the most frightened I've ever been in my life. You know, when I first walked outside with, uh, my first computer to load into my car, um, I looked up at the hillside behind us, and there was just this orange line across it of the fire advancing down Fountain Grove toward my neighborhood. And with the next, uh, with the next trip down with stuff, uh, I think that was hard drives. Um, the line was a little lower on the hillside, and you know, with each successive trip out to my car, that line was getting closer and closer. So we spent. I don't know, six hours at an evacuation center, uh, before we then adjourned to a friend's home. (sighs) I was out of, um, we were out of here about a week. Um, that was, (laughs) was a little trippy. Um, but I mean, I've got friends who lost everything. You know, we lost something on the order of 2,900 homes, uh, 5,000 total structures here in Santa Rosa, and wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got friends who lost everything. Um, and it's, uh, it's been difficult to fathom, it's been difficult to see this stuff. I was driving down the 101 the other day and driving by where Kmart used to be, where Trader Joe's used to be, you know, hmm. and seeing burned out cars and stuff, seeing photographs of cars that are flipped over upside down because the gas tanks exploded. Um, you know, I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, our beloved Annadel park is closed, but the good news there is that it was basically just a brush fire that moved through the park. It burned about 75% of the park, but it looks like all the healthy trees are going to survive. Um, so the park is just closed for a while. Um, that's, you know, that's a lot to be grateful for right now, um, the air here is still pretty bad. I know yesterday morning it was still raining ash. Uh, you need to walk around with one of those N95 masks. Um, you hmm. know, I if
2: I I don't even know what that means.
1: I you know before this I didn't know either. Uh, generally, <clears throat> the easiest place to get them are like paint stores or sometimes hardware stores. And it looks like a standard surgical mask, but it's got um, a filter in it that will uh, filter out all sorts of particulates and other stuff. Um, and so that's what's necessary to kind of keep the ash from getting in your lungs. I know if I go out and walk around for too long, uh, my eyes will start to burn. So, you know, it's like I've taken to making sure that I wear uh, glasses, even if they're clear. Um, it's It's been an adjustment. But, you know, again, I don't I don't have much I can complain about. Uh, We got off easy. Um, Hmm. And my boys, uh, they were staying with a friend uh, that is practically like family. And so for them at a certain level, it was just kind of an extended sleepover. They don't seem to have been particularly traumatized by this in any way. Um, That said, when we were initially trying to load the boys into the car, early sunday morning uh matthew our four-year-old uh also known as the deuce uh he he was really frightened he was hanging on to my leg it was difficult to get him into his seat um you know he he had some clarity that something was going down so but uh there was an event this past sunday at bike monkey uh there was a potluck and so, yeah, people brought all sorts of food. We all chowed out uh, Russian River, gave them a bunch of beer so you could have as much of the Elder as you wanted. And the big thing was that it was a chance to bring in donations. So there were racks for clothes. Uh, you know, there was a section just devoted to cycling clothing because so many of the people who are going to be there uh, are cyclists. And so, you know, I saw a rack with, I don't know, eight, ten pairs of shoes. You know, there were bags of cycling clothing. You know, Uh, I went to the store and, you know, got the things that I thought other people might forget. So while everybody was bringing food and that sort of thing, I was getting toilet paper and toothbrushes, that sort of thing. Um, And fortunately, there were other people thinking like me. There was a lot of toilet paper there. So... Uh, it's, you know, the fires are pretty well out. There's still a lot of work to be done to make sure that there aren't little embers hiding in trees and that sort of thing. But we're, we're now in the phase of, you know, trying to get people settled and not in uh, evacuation shelters, that sort of thing. But this is going to be a problem. We lost 5% of our housing and we were a town that was running, uh, with 1% vacancy. So there are, I don't know, going to be a lot of people That's in That's tough tents.
0: math.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, I, one buddy of mine, Jeremiah, uh, rented a trailer and got a load of gravel and smoothed it out on his mom's property. And so, you know, they've, they've got a, a trailer out there that they're, you know, a, a camper that they're living out of. And... Hmm. You know, there are going to be all sorts of people moving to Vallejo or far West County. You know, people who are accustomed to driving five, ten minutes to work. If they wind up in Casadero, they could have a 90-minute drive. You know, Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. And, you know, the town doesn't even know yet what they're going to do to try to really help jumpstart the rebuilding effort. They're talking about changing the permitting process here. Um, and for apartment owners uh, who are simply wanting to rebuild, basically just rubber stamping that permit uh, t- so that they can get things going as quickly as possible, it's um, it's a mess. You know, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate that our place did not burn, and I seriously. Thursday night of last week, I thought it was going to burn. I, when I locked the door after getting one final load of stuff out, you know, some a few other framed things and whatnot, I thought, you know, okay, this is it. It's going to burn. I'm okay with that. What's left, I can deal without. And somehow... You know the the Tubbs fire to the north of us and the Nuns fire to the south of us. Somehow they didn't join, they didn't meet, and if you drew a straight line from one fire to the other, it passed over my home. So I, I really thought, you know, that losing our home was a foregone conclusion there for a little while.
2: Mm-hmm. How close did it get?
1: Uh, we were we were one block in either direction from mandatory evacuations, and we were less than a mile from both fires. Hmm. yeah uh it was yeah it was really close um this so you talked
2: it yeah you talked a little bit about hard drives and other stuff i mean what what was the uh what was the litmus test of what went into the car uh versus what stayed
1: you know it, it was interesting that first load were the things that i absolutely can't live without so yeah computer hard drives laptops um and four bikes, uh, and then, you know, a load of clothing, a load of clothing being a, a few t-shirts, some jeans, underwear, socks, and then a couple of changes of cycling clothing. You know, I made sure to have a helmet. Uh, I, you know, I had a pair of shoes for each of the four bikes that I've managed to load. I've got a sea sucker rack, you know, the suction cup rack. I reviewed one of those a couple of years ago. And so I got that out and put it on the roof so that I could carry four bikes and not just two. But, you know, every time that it became clear, oh, we can get in and grab some more stuff, you know, it was, it was like combing hair, you know, you get the big tangles first, then you get the smaller tangles and, you know, then you're just smoothing stuff out after a while. And so we kept managing to go back in and grab another load. So eventually we got all the important art off the walls. Uh, I got more clothing out. I, Got you know a few favorite books out my you know my collection of poetry books so many of which are signed by the authors. Um, I wanted to go back for those and managed to get them. I got one box full of my creative work. You know a f- few different magazines, uh, my three books. You know that sort of thing. Hmm.
0: Have, um, have you left everything packed? I mean, look, the situation's not over there. It's um, over enough. And it, it, anything can happen. Have you left stuff packed, or have you unpacked and said, okay, I'm back?
1: We are largely unpacked at this point. Uh, There are still two possessions at other addresses. Um, I've got to get a ride over to uh, Miguel, uh, uh, the organizer of the uh, Grasshopper Adventure Series, uh, Miguel Crawford. He stored some stuff for me and my tandem is still there. So I got to get somebody to give me a ride over there so I can ride at home. And then there's a computer, which was essentially a backup of a backup. Um, and I've got to go get that from a friend. But, you know, yeah, most of the boxes are unloaded at this point. I've hung the clothes back up. Um, so, you know, for for us to th- Feel threatened again at this point is going to take you know another round of 100 mile per hour winds and plus it's going to have to come in from a fresh direction uh, those those you know fire those boundaries of the fire that are nearest us are all out and so that means that all the fuel there is out so for us to burn something's got to come um you know, I don't know, kind of the fourth dimension. It's got to come from a pretty weird direction. Otherwise, you know, it's – there's just no fuel to get to us other than homes. Uh, So a fire would have to, like, roar through the center of town to get to us. Um,
2: You know, it's – Yeah, you're jinxing yourself right now, (laughs) dude. Please.
0: (laughs) Look, the weird thing here, Fatty, is Patrick uh, came from Southern California, moved to Northern California – and Southern California is the one with the reputation for the folks who live mm-hmm. out of the area and don't quite understand, you know, th- what happens here in fire season. Southern California is the one that carries the reputation, at least in this state, to really have destructive wildfires. Up until this week, the up until the fires Patrick experienced, 13 of the 20 most destructive fires and 16 of the 20 d- uh, deadliest wildfires in the state occurred in Southern California. Now, uh, some experts, fire experts and environmentalists have noticed a change up there that's, that's occurring. Um, first of all, you just have more brush and more grass. and You have people living closer to the wildlands, to the, to the trees and scrubs. I mean, we've pushed things out to where we're living, right up to the edge of forest now. And that's, you know, we just need more places to live. Um, and then the grasses have grown. Uh, we've, first we had drought, then we had a lot of rain. Um, but northern California, where Patrick is normally does not experience these types of fires because they're usually blessed with overnight cool temperatures. And Patrick can attest to this. I mean, even when it gets hot out there, Patrick, right? Overnight, you see temperatures drop dramatically.
1: Yeah, if we don't have a 30-degree 30 temp- 30 temperature swing during the day... You know, from morning to to noon to evening again. If if we don't swing a full thirty degrees, I'm surprised. Yeah. You know, there well, that are didn't days happen where we a have week 40 ago Monday. Swing.
0: Yeah. That didn't happen when the when the tubs and the nuns and the Atlas fires broke out. Uh, no, it, it stayed, stayed warm, warm overnight. And we had Fifty mile per hour
1: winds. Yeah,
0: and and the winds kept blasting too. Now northern California can get winds just like Southern California. They call them the Diablo winds up there. We call them the Santa Ana winds down here. Um, but of course there is a there is a conversation going on about does climate change get some of the blame here Uh, increased temperatures stronger winds more erratic winds do do, do we does climate change get some of that blame and the jury of course is still out on some of those theories but uh, the fact of the matter is northern california now has uh registered in the last two years you know two of the most destructive fires in the state's history and it's I, it you know it has a lot of people thinking man am, am i safe am i safe in the middle of a town like Santa Rosa i mean that fire just ripped right through there amazingly i mean it's, it was horrific how fast and how far the flames leaped into into centers of 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 residential areas and just wiped out entire neighborhoods it's just crazy and that's why we asked patrick are you still packed because Gosh, I mean certainly the fire season's not over that the offshore wind events have not they they'll come back again we'll see more uh, we're supposed to see hot temperatures in a few days as we're recording this podcast so um uh, yeah stay safe brother I mean thanks <laughs> and, yeah. and watch over your shoulder I think yeah, that's that's the what a lot of people there have have figured out now and are and are continuing to figure out that no one's exempt now no one gets a pass
2: yeah it's, it's been a surprise. Hadi, have you ever had to get to the point where you have packed up a few possessions and are either forced out or, you know, watching closely to see if you're going to have to uh, get out? No,
0: all I've had is earthquake experiences where I've had it, but that's, you know, that's a reaction. Mm-hmm. You don't get—well, I mean, Patrick got all of five minutes worth of warning, probably, to get out. But with an earthquake, you get—you know, they tell you with earthquakes, have stuff ready to go, and if it hits— you know you better be able to survive on your own in your house without power or water what have you or to be able to grab what's next to your bed and get out so i've not been forced out like patrick was um and and where i live and where patrick lived in southern california now those areas near the beach are clear of of any type of uh, wildfire uh, destruction um Unlike Santa Rosa, which butts up next to Forest, and I mean, for folks should understand the Tubbs fire that that really caused Patrick probably the the biggest headache of them all started in the county next to him, and was it came over an entire hill from Napa Valley, from the from the western edge of Napa Valley and ripped right over a hillside to get down towards him. I mean, that's how, and and it did it in a matter of hours, Patrick. Right? I mean, it was on top yeah. of you. Oh, once mm. the fire got
1: going, it was moving one acre a minute.
2: Yeah, that's extraordinary. That's I mean that that's that's difficult to even fit in your mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a quick walking pace, you know. Mm. I, I I just yeah, it's it's utterly staggering. The number of friends who described, you know, waking up, realizing the neighborhood was already on fire and it's like, oh, hmm, we need to go. Uh, you know, no time to grab anything, you know, we, you know, even if our place had burned by the time it would have burned, you know, I'd probably gotten out 20, 25% of our possessions. Um, you know, I, I probably pulled a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff out of our place. Um, you know, my, my experience was vastly different. It was scary, but you know, I was never in a situation where flames were 40 feet from me. Or flames forced me to turn around and take a different route out of my neighborhood. I didn't have any of that, and mm. I've, you know, I've got friends who have just absolute horror stories uh, about what they lost. You know, it's uh, it's just difficult to fathom, and and the the sheer numbers, you know, just Coffee Park alone, yeah. you know, I I'm I'm really stunned by it.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, go ahead.
0: Um, yeah, the stories of escaping to uh, this situation were pretty crazy. In fact, this is a bike show, folks, so we're going to bring in the bikes here. Um, I read a couple of amazing stories about people who ditched their cars and got on bikes to get the hell out of the fire. They actually packed stuff on their bicycles, gave up on the cars because it was too jammed, too, traffic was too snarled up. They put their belongings on their bikes. One woman grabbed her dog, put her dog on her bike, and rode the hell out of there as fast as she could. Yeah. So bikes to the rescue, goddammit. We love that. I mean, we hate the fact that people lose stuff, but man, people fought and and reacted and did what they needed to do to to get out of harm's way.
2: Yeah, you're definitely getting down to the very most essential version of your stuff once you are fitting what you can carry on a bike. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I've seen
1: a lot of photos of, you know, families, just, you know, mom, dad, two kids or whatever. And, you know, captions of, well, we got what mattered.
2: Yep. Yep. No question about it.
0: Patrick, you, well, before we move on, I want to revisit with Patrick. You did write, I think the first post you wrote was about your evacuation and... Um, you tried to size up about, you know, why you grabbed what you did and what was important to you. Can you put that into, into words real quick for us? I thought, I thought it was a really good look at, uh, um, a really interesting way to say, look, stuff does matter. Some of these things do matter and you want to grab them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, your possessions are how you define your life, um, And, you know, if we, if we want to just look at it through an economic lens, it's pretty obvious once you walk around my home and then my garage, what I value bicycles, it's a big important part of my life. And that's, that would be true even if I wasn't, you know, working in the bike industry, bikes would still be a big important part of my life. So, you know, yeah, I made a point to pull as many bikes out of here as possible you know, it's easy to choose the stuff that's handmade and custom, but you know, it's like, well, my, my seven air okay. It's handmade and yeah, it's custom, but you know, it's a It's essentially a production process. Those guys can make another one of those, but it's like, "Mm, I need to take this. I really, I want this. And like, I gotta have a mountain bike. You know, the riding I do now, I gotta have a mountain bike. I don't care if it's a production bike. You know, the only mountain bike here right now is from Scott. And it's like, well, that's an experience I need. That's gonna be how or at least part of how I clear my head in the wake of all of this is going for mountain bike rides, getting out away from this stuff. Doing road rides right now, I think is still essentially kind of silly. uh, Just from all the particulate matter, still in the air. You know, I go outside and it smells like a campfire here, but I get out to Occidental and it's a lot better. And then once I get back in the Redwood Forest, I can't smell a thing. And so that's a safe place to ride. But in, in terms of, you know, back to the possessions, you know, uh, my friend photographer, Michael Robertson, uh, who used to do a lot of shooting for specialized, he shot this gorgeous, uh, image of me with Tom Bonin on a ride once and sent me, you know, I don't know. It's like a 16 by 20 print of it. I, you know, he could print another one out, but it's like, I, that means a lot to me. I've got a, a signed photo by photographer Armando Gallo, who shot, a bunch of Peter Gabriel and Genesis stuff. And it's the cover from the Genesis album, Seconds Out, signed, you know, numbered. I I, I grabbed that. Um, I've got a pencil drawing by Chuck Jones, the, the great Looney Tunes uh, director. And so I needed to grab that. And, you know, these are things that, to me, um, it's not that they give my life value, but they remind me of the things I value. And what we choose to value in our life, um, that can inform, you know, what our priorities are. Uh, it can help us, you know, see when we need to adjust our priorities. Um, these are things that, you know, have given me joy. And, you know, our... our uh, um, there are moments that can take me away from life's pressures. They can be refuges. And so that's why I think you know this stuff does matter. Um, yeah, a lot a lot of it is uh, replaceable. but there's there's still an ache, you know, anytime you lose one of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I you know I don't I don't ever want to insult someone's loss by saying, oh, it's just stuff. You know, we we choose these things that are parts of our lives. And I think it's important, you know, as we show our respect for our friends who've lost stuff to acknowledge that, you know, this isn't an easy process to go through. No one did this willingly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fatty, if you went out to your garage right now and said, and I told you, get out now, but you can take two
2: bikes, what are you taking? I would bring my Specialized Stump Jumper, Single Speed, And I would bring my Felt FR1. So a mountain bike and a road bike. Mm. Um, uh, The mountain bike, getting close to for sentimental reasons, it it is and has been just a favorite bike for a long time. You get to know a bike after a few years and this, uh, this is one of those bikes, yep. uh, the road bike, because it is my only road bike <laughs> and, so, yeah. and I would like to have a road bike with me. So, uh, so that's why. Yeah. Plus it's a really good road bike. Um, but you know, I, I have had fires creeping down the mountain toward my house to within a mile of home and to where we have had to leave, uh, because of smoke, um, I've I've never had my house damaged. And so I don't have a, any uh, cause for complaint. But I've certainly started going through the same kind of asking yourself, what is important for you know, and what do I want to carry out uh, with me? And it's, uh, it's a hard question. Uh, and it makes you evaluate what matters. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, not saying it was a great exercise for you, Patrick, but it certainly i I bet was a clarifying exercise out of what matters to you in terms of stuff and people right
1: well, the The one funny thing in this is that, yeah, I mean, it did clarify, and it's not funny, funny, but uh mm. funny in terms of surprising. you know, I took that last survey of the garage. And, you know, yeah, there's stuff in there that I don't want to replace if I don't have to. But there was other stuff. It's like, oh, that's just crap. I need to just go ahead and get rid of that. So, like, all the work I did during my years contracting for Southern California Edison, it's like, I don't I don't need any of that. That huh. box, that box can go. Uh, all the issues of student sports that I worked on during my year there, that can go. That, hmm. that uh, electronic security magazine I worked for that's not work I I'm proud of. It's not that I'm embarrassed by it, but when I consider what I want my children to know of my professional legacy, whatever, dude, you know, those, those were jobs. Um, You know, I want them to know about the work that I did for bicycle guide, the work I did for Peloton, the work I do for red kite prayer. That's what that I want them to know of my career. And Saving this stuff in some ways is more for them than it is for me. I don't know how often I'm going to pick out, you know, issue two of of Peloton in which I, you know, wrote about the greatest season any cyclist ever had, Eddie Merckx's 72 season. I don't know that I'll go back and reread that, but I want to have that for my boys.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done sort of similar things. I've done, uh, like you, a fair amount of writing both in – cycling and outside of cycling all of my cycling stuff is online and so i'm not too worried about losing that Uh, it it would take a pretty serious fire to kill the internet um my printed stuff you know the first book i wrote i would like i would like it to continue to exist and luckily enough uh if the house burned down i could order a new copy off amazon um (laughs) at least of most of them uh so the things – there are very few things that are not replaceable. As far as uh, computers and disk drives and stuff like that, uh, my backup system is such that everything could go right now and I could walk you know, to any computer mm-hmm. store, buy a new computer, and be up with all of my stuff instantly. So I I don't sweat that anymore. Um, at least <laughs> I say that now having not lost a computer in a long time. <laughs> uh Still, uh, rough time for you. Glad that things are working out, at least to a degree, and that, uh, that this scare, uh, has turned out to be just that mostly a scare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and- it was scary as hell, but I, I got off, you know, for the most part, I got off unscathed. I'm way more concerned about helping out my friends. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and there are some great efforts afoot. You know, I, I want to, uh, if we can pivot now, I want to uh, acknowledge Kali Protectives, uh, the helmet and pad manufacturer down in Morgan Hill. Their director of marketing is uh, an old friend of mine at this point. I've known him since his days at LaZine And Pat Ribera McKay uh, reached out to me and said, you know, look, we will send helmets to you if you know people who lost everything and, you know, as they try to get back on the bike, they need a helmet. We'll get you helmets. And so, I've got a, hel- a half dozen helmets on the way already, and I expect there will be more as I, uh, you know, match up names with losses. And I just, you know, they deserve a, a big thumbs up. Kali Protectus. yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah.
0: Kudos to them. I heard bike shoes are necessary, too. There's some other folks doing collections for people who lost cycling related products and bike shoes. is another one that, that, you know, people, some people are just going to run out. They might ride the bike, but the shoes might, we're probably going to get left behind. And, uh, you Mm. know, and so if you wear a size, I think the size was, um, anywhere from 43 to 45 was the most uh, desired size. And for folks who really want to do something, I mean, let's do a paceline shout out now, guys. Um, if you want to help Sonoma and uh, Napa County, uh, Keep supporting them by the things that you would normally do: buy their wine, go there and visit. Don't break your plans to do a grasshopper event or any of the other things you might do. Support Levi's Grand fondo Keep going back there, because you know tourism and the industry that's predominant up there, the the wine industry and so forth, are the things that that area really survives on. So keep doing that. Don't shy away. In fact. Throw more money into your your trips and your plans up in Sonoma and Napa County because they'll need it. They'll need it to to recover and to to continue to thrive.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another uh, another acknowledgement, Um, Wahoo is sending me four kickers. They started last year this neat new thing called Kicker Studio where you can have four kickers synced up together um, and you can have a race with Zwift – using uh those four kickers and so since training outside isn't really much of an option and we've got access to some uh loner bikes uh i'm gonna uh still working on the location right now i haven't ironed that out yet but we've got the kickers on the way uh i got a source for loner bikes uh we're going to be offering people an opportunity to train indoors um still need to get the monitors and computers haven't lined that up yet um You know, maybe the thing for us to do is uh, put out a call on RKP and see what sort of help we can solicit that way.
2: Yeah. Leave a comment on this podcast. Patrick, I'll get back to you. And I think we're going to go ahead and end it right there. Take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, a very important question.
1: We are under significant fire weather conditions over most of California. Uh, Late last week, we entered into red flag warnings uh, for many uh, of the counties in California, and that's for high winds and low humidities. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're a cyclist. And because you're a cyclist, you can save up to 25.5% on your life insurance by purchasing it through Health IQ. In addition to all the usual information you give for insurance such as age, gender, height, weight, and nicotine use, the amount of riding you do each week is considered and you can take quizzes that may reduce your payments further. It turns out that knowing what it takes to be fit has its own value. Health IQ knows that people who ride have an 18% lower risk of heart disease, a 28% lower risk of overall mortality, and a 45% lower risk of cancer. So drop by healthiq.com forward slash paceline podcast to get your free no obligation quote.
2: And The Pace Line is back with Hottie, Patrick, and me, Fatty. Each week on The Pace Line, we conduct some very important research into cycling culture and riding techniques. Or sometimes we just ask a question that pops into our heads. This time, I put posted a poll, and by the time you listen to this, it'll be too, answer, too late for you to answer, but we're getting some good responses already. The poll up on Twitter is, When was the last time... You rode a truly awful bike. And the reason I wanted to ask this is because I went to Hawaii for a uh, pretty long vacation for nine days recently. Um, and the only time I rode a bike was to uh, rent a, uh, a cheap bike to go riding on a dirt road to get me closer to where I could see flowing lava from a volcano. And it was a piece of garbage. Uh, it was just a terrible bike. The brakes hardly worked and it, uh, you know, shifting practically impossible. Uh, it just felt bad. It just felt, you know, a, a janky piece of junk. And I was thinking to myself, I had forgotten that bad bikes exist, the things that they don't fit, the seats are terrible, that just, you know, that they, can turn any ride into a bad ride. Um, And so I just put up this poll. So here are the options, and I want to hear what you guys think are going to be the most popular responses. When's the last time you rode a truly awful bike? One, I ride one every day. Two, less than a month ago. Three, less than a year ago. Or four, I forgot that bad bikes exist.
1: Now I need to ask a question here. When we, we, (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I'm asking, I'm asking anyway, uh, when we talk bad bike, are we talking, you know, bad because it was poorly maintained and it has become bad over the years or a bike that, you know, like, you know, like the, the Kmart and Walmart stuff, you know, Pacific and whatnot, those, those big box retailers, bikes that from the very outset were really never very good to begin with.
2: Well. I wrote this question intentionally allowing for both of those things to be true. In my case, it was a pretty clearly a big box uh, store bike that had been poorly maintained for, a, I would guess, seven or eight years. Oh, so you got a um, little
1: column A, a little column B. Yeah, I got or a,
2: or maybe a column A and B. Fair dollar. um So it, it was just, I mean, it, it was just truly a disaster to ride. Um, to the point where it was entertaining to ride just because I was like, can I make this thing go? Um, <laughs> the answer was, well, sort of, but I'm not sure I can make it stop.
1: <laughs> so was this an exception to the rule that any bike is better than no bike?
2: No, no. it's. Uh, I was still glad that I had rented it because even this terrible piece of junk... Um, made the this five mile long road that you either had to walk or ride a bike on to get to the place where you could see the lava flowing. It was still much, much faster to take this terrible piece of junk of a bike than to do a five mile each way walk.
1: I'd, I'd say that right there was important science.
2: Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's important. And so in that way, a truly awful bike still better than a, than a long walk, at least as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. um, that said, tell me what you tell me where you think people are landing on this poll and tell me your answer.
0: You first, Hottie. Oh, it's I forgot there was the such thing
1: as a bad exist.
2: bike. Gotta be. What do you think, Patrick? One year. One year. Hottie is right. Oh. <laughs> as far as most of our as far as most of our responses so far with uh 1 hour into this poll 68% and this is out of 127 votes so far are saying I forgot that bad bikes exist. 14% are saying that they rode a truly awful bike a year ago. Um most of the people who are commenting are talking about uh, uh their bad bike experience being a Want a Walmart grade tandem? A uh, comment from someone saying it's been greater than a year, but a Walmart grade tandem with ditch seeking steering was unforgettable. Uh, I've ridden a bike like that. <laughs> it's, it can be it can be an experience. So it, this poll um, and that ride, I kind of want to fit into the context of this whole Hawaii trip that I did. Um, I've never been to Hawaii. And I would say in the last 20 years, this is by far the longest that I have spent off a bike, total of 10 days without me riding a bike. And I intentionally did not bring a bike. I went to swim and see dolphins and to snorkel and see a coral reef and to see sea turtles and a manta ray and to see lava flowing out of a volcano um and to lay on a beach and read a book i did all of these things and we did a couple of runs but no rides and we did that intentionally just so that we wouldn't slide back into the rut of you know 3 hours a day are dedicated to riding your bike around rut um rut yeah <laughs> well, at the end of the season Rutt? it feels it felt like it would be a great Way to do something different than what I normally do. It sounds like you see it differently.
1: Well, you do understand that it is possible to both ride a bicycle in a day and go snorkeling. There's even time for an art museum with a bike ride and snorkeling. You, I, I, there are 24 hours in a day, dude. You, you do get that, right?
2: Well, but not all of them are light, and there some sleep needs to be factored in there as well i how are you, what about you adi is do you uh do you bring a bike with you every everywhere you go every vacation or do you intentionally put the bike away for some time
0: um not every trip there are, i mean the last trip one of the last trips i took uh was a family trip i didn't take a bike up there Um uh, it was four days but I, I didn't i intentionally did not take the bike i i rode before the day we flew out and um i think i Went for a jog or went and worked out once. But, yeah, I'm okay with that, you know. And, but I do get what you're, kind of what you're saying, Fatty, in that when you ride, well, I know sometimes when I ride and when the day becomes a ride day, um, the level of energy, you, you know, you're going to give in, you're going to spend some pennies there. And so mm-hmm. the museum or the snorkeling or the other stuff you may want to do in that day, you're going to have a harder time committing or putting, you know – a good uh, amount of attention into that so um yeah riding does sap you a little bit you know it'll take some some stuff away from you if you if you've got other things on your agenda oh fact, see i, I don't point i there?
1: don't do rides uh, every now and then i'll do a hard ride you know like one time when i was in hawaii i flew over to maui and i rode haleakala in a day mm-hmm. i devoted a day to that but mm-hmm. but generally speaking like You know, every time I go to Hawaii to visit my dad and his wife, um, I take a bike. uh, I take my 7 air heart because it's easy to do because of S&S couplers. And in the morning before everybody else is up, before I can possibly be missed, I get up while it's still dark and I go out for an easy spin. We're talking an hour to an hour and a half. I take it easy and it's just a way for me to get up and... At a certain level, I kind of see it like a dose of antidepressants. You know, I I go out, I do that. It's my favorite way to see the world, you know, from the saddle of a bike. And I go up the leeward uh, coast of Oahu. You know, I get to this one spot that I know and I I turn around there and I ride back. And I don't ever bury the needle unless for some reason there's a little section where it's like, I'm going to have some fun now. But for the most part, I keep these all really easy rides. Um, It's just a way to burn a few calories because usually on vacation, I'm eating a little bit out of the ordinary, some bigger meals, you know, maybe some alcohol at dinner. Um, And so I just, to me, going on vacation and not bringing a bike means that I've gone to a neat place and I've not availed myself of a really cool way to see it.
2: Now, I think that that is... that might actually be a great way to incorporate the bike into the vacation my tendency if i have a bike is to start training on the bike and if i were to go and say rent a cruiser uh, something where i could just sort of tool around and see stuff that might you know that might be something on the big big island of hawaii that would have been that wouldn't have been that great of a way to see things i don't think mm-hmm. just because we it, it's miles and miles and miles before you get to anything besides volcanic rocks and windy <laughs> yeah on a cruiser <laughs> um that said you know it, different you know different vacations different styles for different people i spend all of my time thinking about and riding bikes in my normal life Taking a break from all of that and just doing different things, getting exercise by maybe doing some running, by doing a lot of swimming, by doing something other than what I normally do was kind of a nice change for me. I'd be interested in comments from our listeners. What do you think? When you go on a vacation, is a bike an important part of that vacation or is getting a vacation from the bike part of the vacation? Um, Indeed. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, that said, one of the days that we were on this vacation was very much all about bikes. And that is we were there to witness the Ironman World Championships uh in Kona. And that was very interesting. Um watching the swim is always kind of awe-inspiring. Uh anyone who's e- ever been in a, in a triathlete swim, um, those are terrifying, frankly. Um, anyone, you know, you get crawled over, and watching this huge number of people start their swim, and it just seems, you know, suddenly the water turns into chaos. It's pretty amazing to see. More than that, though, the bike. Um, I still don't understand this exactly. I've I, I, I posted a question on Facebook and got some answers, but I'm not satisfied with them. I saw so many people riding in what I would consider an absolute disaster of a bike position uh, during this World Championships of the Ironman. Uh, their saddles were disastrously low, um, to the point where they were that they would never have a prayer of getting any more than, a, say, I would say, thirty percent extension. Oh, if you can picture that, I mean. And people said that, well, that is to save your legs uh, for the run. I would say that, you know, it's, you know, five hours of riding versus four hours of running or whatever, that it's not that, you know, maybe you need to consider what you're saving for what and what are you doing to your knees. You know, they, they're, of course, they're in the world championships at this race and I'm not. And there may be something they know that I don't, but it just, it, when you were that low and then they would have this incredible stack of spacers on the stem or, uh, you know, below the stems so that th- when they put their arms out on their arrow bars, they essentially convert themselves into what I would call the shape of a spoon or a sail um <laughs> yeah it,
1: like they're on a treadmill
2: you are not low or flat yeah. when you is is the point that i'm driving to it was it was amazing we were watching some of these racers going and um the it's just i i couldn't get it i i it was amazing have either of you seen what i'm talking oh, about yeah. have you either yep. watched on, on on tv or in person some of the Positions that you see folks on. Well, you don't need tri bikes.
1: Yeah, you don't need to go to Ironman to see all that screwed <laughs> up stuff. It, it just go to any triathlon, any. Uh, as a matter of fact, the shorter the triathlon, the worse the positions get. You know, because people usually start out with a sprint, and so you see a lot of people on hybrids, and you know mm. they basically a lot of them take that position they had on the hybrid. And they simply adapt that to a much more expensive bike. You know, a buddy of mine likes to call them faster backwards because the handlebar is higher than the saddle. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, no, they don't know something that, uh, that you don't know. Because if it were true that keeping the saddle low like that worked, then all the best triathletes in the world, McKaylee Jones, uh, Chris McCormick, you know, all those guys they'd be riding around with their saddle too low. No, what they're doing is they've got good leg extension and they've got a fairly steep uh, seat angle. You know, the the saddle is fairly mm-hmm. far forward, so they're getting uh, good extension. And the thing is, the way they save their legs is by having mo- that more forward position, um, they're taking, you know, some of the strain uh, off their glutes at, as well as their quads, Um And so it's a it's an easier extension and uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't strain the knees, you know, and it allows uh, the muscles to stay stay more supple. So uh, I would say that all those awful positions that you saw were indeed
0: awful. (laughs) Were you watching the pros, by the way, or were were you saying this were the amateurs going by?
2: You know, most of the this is mostly the amateurs oh, okay. that I'm talking about. I would say the back half of the back half of the race. Uh, we stuck around and watched the swim long enough, and then walked out to see where people uh, were. Uh, probably about six miles into the race, and then another, I think, another five or seven miles, we would see them again. And it, most of the really fast people had gone by, and so it was age groupers and uh, you know some of the slower people who were doing that. I just would think that for you know t- to get into this race is the you know is the dream of a lifetime for any triathlete, right? This is this is it. This is the Olympics, more or less, for amateur triathletes. You get into Kona and you have done it I would think that that would be the time to go and get a professional bike fit and to get some coaching on proper fitting and or proper you know proper position and you know how to be the fastest you can be um, that said again they are in I'm not. So uh, it's, you know, the fact is, uh, you know, maybe that works for them and I, there's something I just don't, just don't get, I don't know. There is Um,
1: something to celebrate in terms of determination. If you can manage to finish an Ironman with a position that makes experienced writers cringe, it's like, wow, you Mm -hmm. must really want this. Um, and so, yeah, that's something to celebrate.
2: Oh Yeah. And uh, we stuck around to watch uh, watch the run. I mean, we we really do. We dedicated a whole day to watching and cheering for people, and it was it was something to see. I mean, watching the people who were uh, doing the the hand bike uh, that was incredible. We saw a guy who was on a um, essentially a custom tandem that had. Uh, had another rider, you know. That I think I think I've seen a documentary on this, but I'm not sure it's the right person. But uh, he's riding and he's got his son in a chair uh, up in front of him. Yep. Yes, I think I saw him there, uh, or someone who was doing essentially the same thing. as that? And you know, for them, you know, hundred percent pass on position and everything because you got to develop your own system to get to get through that. You're going 112 miles on a bike like that. Uh, kudos and mad respect, <laughs> and I've got nothing but those two things for you. Yeah. Um, but for you know, but for people my age and they're on super expensive, super nice bikes, I would say, you know, hey, maybe it's time to go ahead and get a little coaching. <laughs>
1: yeah, if you're gonna drop out. 10k on a bike, I don't know, drop 300 on a fit. It's you know, yeah. really.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Because there was some definite bike porn there. All right. Well, I think my question is going to go only semi-answered. I tell you what, let's move on to the Pace Line picks. What do you say, guys? Yeah. All right. Uh, Patrick, we're going to have you go first.
1: Okay. Well, I'm taking some liberties here. Um, (laughs) I've got two picks this week. Uh, One is for the King Ridge Foundation and local breweries, Uh, Because they, um, the King Ridge Foundation has uh, teamed up with uh, some local breweries uh, to do a fundraiser for Sonoma County. Uh, It's called Sonoma Pride. And so Russian River, Bear Republic, Morgan Territory, uh, Cigar City, Fieldwork, Crux, Creature Comforts, Third Street Ale Works. I mean, just on and on. Even Sierra Nevada, which is not local. But, you know, lots and lots of uh, local Sonoma County breweries are all going to release beers under the Sonoma Pride label. And here's the thing, 100% of the proceeds of each bottle they sell will be going back to the King Ridge Foundation to go to uh, Victims of the Fire. And as I refresh my page, they've raised $159,184 so far. And they ain't finished, um, and this is one of those things that, uh, you know, people love to hate on Levi Leipheimer, but the King Ridge Foundation wouldn't exist without Levi. Um, this is a, a big piece of what Bike Monkey does outside of just organizing events. Uh, this has become a really powerful uh, force in the nonprofit sector here in Sonoma County. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed that, you know, The King Ridge Foundation is so well-respected here that they were able to pull this off with, what was it, something like 23 different breweries. Uh, It's it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, So, yeah, cheers to them. uh, And for people, you know, not in the area, yeah, look around for opportunities to buy bottles of beer that say Sonoma Pride on them. The other thing is my friend, builder jeremy c Sip, um was one of the people who was uh he and his family had to evacuate from their home uh at the far eastern edge of santa rosa and uh he you know certainly he was put out not being able to build for a while he felt like he wasn't able to do his job and as uh, his contribution to, uh, to all the victims here, he's decided that for the rest of the year, every new bike order that comes in 10% of that sale will go toward fire victims. And so I already have a friend who's planning to order uh, a bike from him for that very reason. So yeah, uh, big mad props to Jeremy for donating 10% of his sales through the end of the year. So those are my picks.
2: Good picks. Very good picks. I'll go next, and my pick is the Apple Watch 3 with LTE. That may not mean much to some people, but what it is is the latest version of the Apple Watch, and this time with LTE, it means that your watch is now actually a phone. And you can take and make calls without having your phone in your jersey pocket. And I love it. I love not having a phone in my jersey pocket. I just, the watch is not great for making long calls or making involved calls, but it is fantastic to be able to leave the phone at home and all of the notifications and phone ringing and so forth, but know that I can be got a hold of in an emergency. If you have an iPhone and you some would like to leave it home when you go riding, but just don't because you feel like you want to have emergency call access, maybe check out the Apple Watch Three with LTE. Okay, I'm glad I did. Let me ask a question here
1: now. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you can go full Dick Tracy, um, <laughs> I, I this is so you're. Are you call forwarding? I don't even know how to ask the question. My gosh, uh, it's not really that complicated. Or is it? Yeah, are you doing it call forwarding? It is not
2: call forwarding. It is, uh, I, I think, if my phone and I are away from each other, then my watch rings. If my phone and my watch are together, then my phone rings. Uh... Or if I go into airplane mode on my phone, then, my watch rings. So far, I've not missed any calls because of the the handoff capability. I don't have to do anything. It just works.
0: Wow, okay. yeah,
2: nice. And the audio surprisingly good.
1: And you can do voice to text so that you can send text messages with it, right? Yep. Oh.
2: yep, sending texts is no problem. you can you can also do handwriting to text uh, for texting. Which works really well, and I don't know. It's uh, it's it's comfortable. It the watch lasts not just all day, but a couple of days in my experience. And it's uh, you know all the things that I hated about the first version of the Apple Watch now seem pretty good. What you don't want to do is use um, is use the is use Strava. On the watch, because just like if you use Strava on your phone, you will burn through it in no time at all. Uh, You know, using the GPS uh, for three hours, basically, is enough to kill it. And that's true for the watch. It's true for the phone. So no good for that, unless you're taking a short call and we will be able to charge right afterward. I'm sorry, unless you're taking a short ride and we will be able to charge right afterward. But as something where... Uh, you have easy access to communication if, uh, you know, but would like to leave your big device that breaks a lot easier. And I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but I worry about landing on my phone on my back.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
2: Of course. So now I don't have to, (laughs) and I like it. I like it a lot. So that's my pick. A nerdy pick if there's ever been mm. one. Bring us on home, Hottie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to follow up Patrick's
0: lead here and do two, if you guys don't mind. Um, The first is kind of going to be on behalf of the show, a paceline show pick, if you will. And I think uh, it, um, it, it's a good time to acknowledge all those folks who jumped into action uh, when the fires broke out in Northern California. Whether that be a firefighter, a sheriff's deputy, or a nurse, or a doctor, or whoever said uh the heck with it i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i need to do right now to help others um some people call these first responders i haven't really gotten comfortable with that term yet look, look these are firefighters they're cops they're you know again doctors there are people that they're people in the military they're people we rely on so um and i have this guys i have this unique uh, opportunity actually uh, on most weekdays to listen to these people do their work one of my Part of my job is to listen to scanners, to, to radio traffic, and every day I hear a firefighter breathing through a respirator, a cop calling for help, a highway patrol officer chasing someone down the freeway. So in addition to these big, massive things, these folks do something on a daily basis that we all benefit from. So I think on behalf of the show, a paceline pick from the paceline itself, those folks who jump into action without being asked or told. And then yeah. my, my other pick is um something uh, that I covered, uh, I think it was about nine, ten months ago. I brought an interview to the Pace Line with Aaron Olson of Handlebar Coffee Roasters in Santa Barbara. I want to congratulate Aaron and his partner, Kim Anderson. They have opened Handlebar version two, also in Santa Barbara. It's in Midtown. It's on De La Vina for the folks who are getting into Handlebar. It's a bigger... um. Uh bigger facility than their than their original on Canon Perdido. They do roast coffee there, but in addition to coffee, uh, they have now food. They're making food there. And we were lucky enough to be in town when they had a beer and wine night and live music. So again, handlebar, coffee roasters in Santa Barbara. They have now a version two. It's on De La Vina. By the way, great coffee beans too. And you can order those online. I got the Mexico, delicious stuff. Um, so, again, congratulations. They're both former pros. In fact, the name Handlebar, they live up to that name. Aaron uh, rode for T Mobile and some other teams. And Kim Anderson won the ladies' Giro d'Italia. So, great cyclist, too. And nice people. Mm-hmm.
2: Really good. Fantastic. And I believe that is going to be a wrap for this episode of The Paceline. If you haven't been to iTunes to rate and review us, please change your ways. It's not too late. And if you have rated and reviewed us, thanks so much. We owe you a poll. For Hottie and Patrick, I am Fatty. This is the Pace Line.
0: (inaudible) (inaudible) Sheriff 1, Sam 4, we need to make a priority evacuation now. Mark West Springs area. (inaudible) Sonoma County Sheriff's Office, this is a mandatory evacuation order. Leave your homes. Sonoma County Sheriff's Office, mandatory evacuation order. Leave your homes. Sonoma County Sheriff's Office, mandatory evacuation order. Leave your homes. Sam 4, I'm in route until they say otherwise.